Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to, in- to introduce our speaker for tonight, Justin. Hi everybody, I'm Justin, I'm a compulsive reader. Oh wow, this is, this is, I'm really nervous because, um, you know, after reading that mission statement, my God, I hope I live up to that. Uh, number one, number two, I see a lot of familiar faces, um, and that's really great. Um, I definitely, I'm definitely at home here in this program. I have pictures, which unfortunately you guys out there in, uh, you know, the web can't see, but I'll just pass these around. Uh, send those that way and this way. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me grab this one picture to clarify something. That when you take a look at this picture, please keep in mind that this car has four doors, not two. <laughs> it's got four. All right, here we go. Um, yeah. Uh, let me start off with the numbers because I typically forget them. And I don't want to forget them because they're very important. Okay. Um, I've been in program. It'll be seven years this coming July. My current abstinence, I will have three years this coming July 2nd, so in about a month and a day. Um, I abstain from sugar and white flour. I'm currently maintaining about 180-pound weight loss for the last two years. Um, Relapse is part of my story. You know, when I came into OA in 2006, I got abstinent, was abstinent for a year and a half, then I relapsed for two and a half years. Uh, during that time, I found my top weight of somewhere over 500 pounds. I ate my way into the hospital with a 989-point blood sugar. That was May 2008. Uh, for those of you who don't know anything about diabetes, a normal blood sugar is 70 to 140. People lose limbs and eyesight at 500. Mine was 989. I quite literally should have been dead. Um, I should have at least been in a diabetic coma. But my higher power saw fit for me to stay conscious through the whole thing. And let me tell you, it was, yeah, it sucked. Um, I played high school and college football, and I had never had, I'd never, and I've done serious damage to my body because of it, but I'd never been admitted to the hospital. Food is the thing that put me in the hospital. Food is the thing that quite literally almost killed me. Um... And, you know, I, I want to pause for a second and say happy birthday to Atusa. Happy birthday, Debbie. Debbie, thank you so much for reminding us of how deadly this disease is. Because I, I feel like sometimes in meetings, you know, because it's such a slow death, we forget. I know I forget. Um, and uh, I was talking with a good friend of mine in this program who, you know, she's a triple winner, um, mothership program, and I, and I complained to her sometimes, I so wish I could be cool like the alcoholics. You guys have these great stories. If I could just be that cool. And she was like, dude, you're an alcoholic with the food. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Because what put me in the hospital uh, May 2007 was I took a bite of a grilled chicken wrap in August 2006. A bite of a grilled chicken wrap almost killed me in nine months. And, I mean, I've heard those stories where alcoholics would be like, yeah, you know, I had a drink, and then, like, eight months later, I was getting out of jail, and it was like, wait, wait, what happened? I couldn't identify with that. But I'm pretty sure some of you in this room can identify with having a bite of one thing and nine months later not understanding, how did I gain a hundred and whatever pounds? How am I in the hospital almost to death? 
Um, and that's, that's what it was like. Um, so I'm not going to really spend a lot of time talking about what it was like and all that kind of stuff because I, I've spoken at this meeting before a couple of years ago and, and spent a lot of time on that. I want to talk a lot about um, these last almost three years in recovery. Um, you know, when I, when, I, when I came out of relapse, it, uh, you know, my, my last binge was uh, June 30th in Las Cruces, New Mexico, 2010. Um, my abstinence date is July 2nd. Why is it not July 1st? Because I absolutely, I was driving, you know, from the East Coast to the West Coast, moving back out here to L.A., and I absolutely had to have McDonald's for breakfast the next day, so I couldn't count that day. So, yeah, started July 2nd once I got back here in town. And, um, you know, I, I immediately, I knew what to do because, I, you know, I'd been in program a year and a half, then I relapsed for two and a half years, and I knew, okay, I'm going to go to a meeting, I'm going to get a sponsor because that's what I need to do. And I found a sponsor who... You know, he, he, had, he had gotten sober in this group called Pacific Group here in Los Angeles. It's really amazing. That gets people who can't get sober anywhere else to somehow get sober there. And so I knew this guy worked a really strong program. Plus, he had what I wanted. He was married. He had kids. He had this beautiful life. Um, and that's what I wanted. Uh, so I asked him to be my sponsor. And, you know, the funny thing is, when I was in the food, I used to daydream about, you know, if I could just go to a place and focus on losing weight, like, my life would just be awesome. Little did I know that meant living in Los Angeles for three years completely unemployed. Um, and that's, yeah, that's what it was like. That's, that's what it's still like today. Um, and God working in my life, because my sponsor was unemployed as well. Uh, we would go to meetings, yeah. <laughs> we would go to meetings, like, every day. After the meeting, we would sit down and work the steps, like, for an hour or two. Um, it, it was such a blessing. And, you know, I finished all 12 steps in my first year. I, and I quite literally finished my 12th step at my one-year party at my sponsor's house. And some of you in this room participated in that, um, which is absolutely amazing. And it just... It really just hit me a couple of weeks, a week or so ago. My my OA sponsor, you know, he is the longest relationship I've ever had with anybody in this world that I'm not blood related to, and that blows me away. And that's been almost three years. And I don't just mean like somebody I was friends with and I haven't seen in like ten years and whatever, whatever. I talk to this man, you know, five times a week for almost three years, and I see him a couple, three times a month. I used to see him a lot more, but now he's moved over. Uh, to the other side of the hill about a year ago. Um, but, like, that's huge for me because, like, one of the things that this disease does, I mean, we're isolators. Like, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I, in some ways it's like, oh, I wish I could be like those cool alcoholics who could party and do all that stuff. No, like, my disease is like, no, no, get a big sack of meaty, cheesy, greasy stuff from the fast food place, draw the blinds, turn on the TV, turn off all the lights. Yeah, that's a party, isn't it? Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, because you're just like, you're just in there and the glow of the TV and... <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Thank God that's not what my life looks like today. Um, and that's what it looked like for years. You know, I never... I, I, you know, I'll start with the physical and get to the other stuff. Because this disease is a physical, emotional, and spiritual disease. Um, I, for 32 years, got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I never, I never, like, you know, I mean, there were times, oh, I could lose, like, 30 pounds here, 50 pounds there, da-da-da-da. And for those of you, um, you know, who can't see me out there in the web, I'm six foot four. I currently weigh 330 pounds. Um, like I said, I'm a former offensive lineman, so I look like an offensive lineman. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've always been a big guy. 
There's no way to get around that. But there's a difference between being a big guy and the dude who ate the big guy. Uh, there just is. <laughs> so what it looks like today, um, <laughs> the physical recovery, it's amazing stuff. I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'll be 35 in, in three months, and... Uh, I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life, quite literally. I'm in better shape now than I was when I was a 18, 19-year-old kid playing college football. And it just, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's weird. It's like I'm going through puberty all over again. Like, this body, I, I'd never had this body before. And, like, in a lot of ways, like, I just don't know what to do with it. Um, and, but, like I said, this is a physical, emotional, and spiritual disease. And it's like, for me to be able to, and it takes, it takes time to get used to things. I still go to the store to, to buy something. Oh, wow, here's a good story. So it's, you know, what was it? Memorial Day weekend last week. I was invited to a pool party. And, um, you know, that whole thing of being, being ashamed of my body and not wanting to take off my shirt and, like, go swimming. And I grew up in South Florida. Like, I had a pool ever since I was, I think, five years old. I loved, I would spend hours in the pool. Like, I loved my parents. Like, even almost, almost a little bit more than the food, but not quite. Um, and I wanted to go to this pool party, and I needed, I needed swim shorts because the ones I had before, because I'd lost all this weight, like, they're too big. And, you know, too big in the kind of way that you can't, know, dude, you can't leave the house when this is going to fall off. Um, so I had to go to the store. Now, my head tells me, and I, I know this now because I've got enough years of recovery and I've worked the steps up. My head, I can't listen to my head. My head tells me, you can't, those won't fit, those won't fit, those won't fit. No matter what the tag says. I mean, the tag says the same size as the thing that I got on my body in the store, but my head tells me this is not going to fit. So I put them on, and magically I'm, I'm still surprised. Oh, my God, how did these fit on my body? And, um, you know, what ended up happening was they were, I, I thought, my head also told me, these swim trunks are way too tight. Like, I don't mean, like, you know, behind the candelabra tight, but I'm, I'm talking like they were tight. Um, yeah, think about that for a second. Um, and, uh, but no, they were tight. But then I was like, but isn't swimwear supposed to be, like, tight? They're not supposed to be, like, big billowing things that, like, you know, like some octopus or something. I don't know. But, so I went. I got over myself, and I went. I bought the things, and I went. And guess what? I had a good time. Because you know what? Nobody there was worried about, like, you know, me and my new swim shorts or whatever. Like, I was, yeah, I was there to have a good time. But I had a good time. I went swimming. I was in the jacuzzi. I did the whole thing. And it was, it was fun. Um, so that's just a little bit about the physical stuff. The emotional, emotional. You know, this is interesting. For me... You know, they say that if you're not in three programs, you're in denial. And, yeah. This, in this abstinence, I, I found another program. I uh, got into Al-Anon. And, you know, it's been, I actually just celebrated two years in that program this week. And it's been huge for me in my recovery in OA because what I've discovered is, like, 95% of the stuff I eat over is my Al-Anon stuff. Yeah. Um... That doesn't mean that I'm not a compulsive overeater. Oh, no. I'm a compulsive overeater. And, and, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I had a five-day span where, like, I didn't have any vegetables. I didn't go to the gym. I was eating a lot of carbs and a lot of crap. And my sponsor pointed that out to me, and I was like, oh, yeah, because I do my daily 10 stuff. I call my sponsor every day, and I tell him this is what I'm going to eat for the day. 
and you know I need that check-in. And because I'm a compulsive overeater, I couldn't see it, even though I write down my food at 6.15 in the morning when I call him every day, and I use an electronic tracker where I put in all the things that go in my mouth, I still, because I'm a compulsive overeater, don't realize I haven't had a vegetable in six days. So my sponsor, just kindly and lovingly, hey, dude, I haven't heard any vegetables or salads there. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'll have a salad today. And so I had a salad that day. And I also went to the gym that day because I hadn't been, I'd been playing hooky. And my mind tells me, oh, yeah, you're it's a summer vacation, this and that, and whatever. I get there, and, you know, a good friend of mine that I see there, um, there's a profoundly deaf guy named Don. I took sign language in high school, so I get to practice with him, and I'm at the gym. And he's like, he's like where you been? And um, I realized, wow, yeah, um, people are, like, missing me because I was, like, hiding out. And I don't even realize it sometimes. And, you know, like, that's how the disease can creep back up. As much as I do and as much as I'm out there, I still don't even realize sometimes that I can, I can hide in plain sight. You know, I can sit in a meeting, not share. No, oh, yeah, I always share. Hey, they've heard enough of me. Oh, I don't really need to check in. Oh, I'm, I'm good. Mm, you know, and you know, six, seven days later, no vegetables. No. And I'm like, mm. and, it, and, it, and it, I feel bad. That's where I get to. I, I feel bad. I'm not like at the place where I'm ready to binge or do something crazy, but I feel bad. Everything has like a little edge to it. And then I get into, you know, well. I don't feel so good. Well, what about, when am I going to start feeling good? When am I going to start getting mine? When am I going to da-da-da-da? When am I going to get that job? When am I going to get that girl? When am I da-da-da? When are my cash and prizes? Yeah. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. I get into that self-obsession. And it is so ridiculous. Um, and so, you know, I had a salad that day, and I went to the gym, and I felt great. And I, and I, it's crazy, I forgot how good I feel when I do those things. And I did it the next day, and the next day. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um... So that, you know, kind of getting into that kind of stuff uh, and using that other program, Al-Anon, has really helped me with the emotional stuff. The spiritual stuff, you know, it's, I'm, I'm very... Hmm, I'm, I'm very... With my spirituality, I've always been a spiritual person. I was raised in a church as a kid, but even at seven, eight years old, I had a real problem with this idea of a God that's like, you know, if you pray to me, you're going to heaven, but if you don't pray to my son, you're going to hell forever! And all that kind of, I'm like, whoa, wait, how is God that petty? Like, really, at eight years old, I was having these questions, like, how can God be that petty? And so, I, I really struggled in this program for the first three, four years of finding a higher power of my own understanding, because I still had that, like, Santa Claus, Jesus, Christmas, God thing that was like, oh yeah, the 911 Santa Claus, Jesus, God person. Like, and when I'm in trouble, 911, please just get me out of this, da, 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 whatever, whatever. Or, can you just gift me this? You know, give me this. Can I just, just take the 180 pounds off of me and I promise I'll be good forever. Um, that kind of God. And now I've, I've, you know, from really working this program, and let me, uh, The only thing we are guaranteed as a result of working all 12 steps is a spiritual awakening. That's it. That's it. Not to lose weight. Not to stop throwing up. Not to get the big house on the hill. Not to get the perfect job. Not to get a million dollars. It's to have a spiritual awakening. Because, you know, when you read the 12 steps, it says, having had a spiritual awakening as the, not a, the, meaning the only result. That's what it is. 
And how does that work in my life today? You know, I, I, I went to law school and graduated from law school about three, well, three years ago this month. And the only reason why I went to law school was because my dad, who was a judge, wanted me to go. And for those of you who have fathers or mothers who are lawyers and judges, you know that, go to law school, go to law school, go to, just go to law school. Um, and so I finally went, and unfortunately, he passed away my first year in law school. Um, and that was really, really tough. And that, that you know, I'd, I'd love to say that my dad dying of cancer at 61, 62 years old during my first year of law school was the reason why I relapsed for two and a half years, but that wasn't the reason. I relapsed because I'm a compulsive overeater who stopped doing all the things that I need to do to recover. I stopped going to meetings. I stopped calling my sponsor. I stopped, you know, reading the literature. I, I just stopped and totally focused all my energies on, like, helping my dad and that whole thing. And that's just not healthy. Because what ended up happening was I fell face down in the food. You know, my dad died. I, I was able to, like, you know, white-knuckle it through, like, his death and the funeral. And, I mean, thank God, because my mother, she couldn't really do anything. And my brother wasn't dependent on I pretty much had to do most of everything myself. And I was able to white-knuckle it through all that. And, you know, he died December 15th, 2000, um, 2007. And, you know... I started eating somewhere around Christmas. I don't even, it was such a haze. I don't know. Just, and then, boom, where did I end up? Yeah, hospital. May. That's where it goes. Um, so what is it like today, spiritually? What it's like is that because I went to law school, I used to, my, you know, my dad was my higher power. I mean, he quite literally was my higher power. He could look at me one way, and I could just fall to pieces in tears. No, and I could not cry any other way. I, he was my higher power. And in a weird way... I'm seeing now that him dying when he did was a blessing in my life. At the time, and for a lot of years, I didn't see it that way. But I had to have some way to separate myself from his identity. Because the whole plan was, you know, go to law school, he's going to retire from being a judge, you're going to open a firm together, work together, and do the whole, you know. Because I didn't care. My dad could have been a bricklayer. I would have gone to masonry school. I just wanted to make my dad proud and happy. Starting to get why I'm an on. Hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. So, what, what's that like today? Obviously, I was resentful at my dad dying before I graduated law school because I made this huge life decision and gotten all this mountain of debt just because of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fat resentment. Um, I still have my fourth step, and it is this thick. For those of you on the computer, I'm holding my hands about four inches apart. Yeah, it's that thick. And I keep it because... It's a physical representation of the 180 pounds I lost because that's the stuff I was eating over. Um, You know, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't want to be a lawyer. Um, I have no desire to practice law. I have no desire to get anywhere. I worked for the state attorney in Florida three years ago for, like, two hot months. I fell asleep at my desk every single day working on first-degree murder cases. Yeah. Bloody crime scene photos strewn about, and I was like... Drooling on myself asleep. I there's no way I should ever be a lawyer. Um, I'm an educator. I love kids. I work with kids. I'm a teacher. I teach high school. I teach middle school, English, history, um, and that for me to say that out loud to a group of people and to put it on the internet is huge. Because for many many years, I believed what everybody else told me. Of, You're so smart. You have all these degrees. You should be running the world. You should be some big money grabber running a bank and like have bajillions of dollars. And, but I was like, yeah, but I just want to teach a kid how to write an essay. That's what makes me happy. I, I could hardly admit that to myself, you know. Um, and this program helped me see that, 
yes, I have a lot of things going for me. I could do all of these different things, but I should be doing the thing that makes me happiest because that's what gets me going every day. You know, yeah, I could be... (laughs) Here's an interesting thing. This week, right now, as we speak... My university is having reunions, and they have reunions every year, and it's something that I go to every year, and this is the first time, you know, this would be my 11th um, reunion, and I'm not there. And it's, I'm, I'm kind of sad about it, because it's a really awesome party, it's four days long, it's like just ridiculousness, and just, it's awesome. Um, but you know, when I was there last year, it was really interesting, a lot of people who hadn't seen me for a number of years remarked on my weight loss and everything, but the thing that most people said on top of that was, yeah, but we see something different. There's something different in you. Like, yeah, you lost a lot of weight, but, like, we can see there's, like, a difference. And that difference was, I think, that I'm finding my way through life, you know, helping, letting my higher power guide me in my decisions and my choices. Um, Before I was in program, I used to describe my life as, you know, just kind of falling ass backwards into things. And that's quite literally how I lived my life. And when I look back on it, it really wasn't that. My higher power was totally taking care of me in so many different ways I had no idea. Um, my higher power really put me in a lot of great positions. And But the other thing about it is that what I've also learned in this program, having, having sponsor, is um, there's been times when I've walked away from gifts from my higher power. You know? There have been times when I have totally walked away from gifts from my higher power. Um, and that's, you know, it's a double-edged sword. I mean, it's like, when I ask for the knowledge of God's will and the power and courage to carry it out, you know, i got to carry it out. Um, so, what it's kind of looking like today, I'll wrap up with this and, you know, take some questions. Um, you know, kind of along that job thing, I'm, I'm still, it's been three years and I'm, I'm looking. And this is, this is, it's hilarious to me because clearly this is God working in my life. Um, because it's been three years since I graduated law school, and I've done, like, little jobs here and there. I covered a maternity leave at this school, a substitute at this school, and blah, blah, and whatever. And, you know, most days I'm, like, so busy trying to look for a job and trying to interview with these people and wondering how I'm still interviewing at the same schools two and three years in a row and applying to the same places and not even getting interviews and blah, blah, blah. Um, But, you know, the beauty of it is the biggest gift I've gotten is – just what I said a couple minutes ago is discovering what my passion is, what I really want to do. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't get that in their lives. They really don't. They, they, do, they do jobs and, you know, to support their families and to live their lives and all that kind of stuff, but they don't really get to do the things that they ab- absolutely love to do. Um, and in that, I'm seeing that I'm willing. I'm so willing to do things that I never, ever, ever, ever thought that I would do. So right now, what does that look like? I really want to be a teacher. I really want to be a teacher. So I'm going to try to be a teacher somewhere that they want me. Um, it's not happening here in Los Angeles, so I'm opening up my, you know, map. I'm currently looking at, in the middle of the interview process, at a school in South Africa, which is really amazing. Um, did study abroad there in law school in 2008, and I, I love that country. And I said, you know... If I'm willing to go to South Africa, where else am I willing to go? I started looking at the map, and guess what? I got an email a couple weeks ago from my university's uh, teacher prep program about teaching in Kazakhstan. Yeah, that's right. I said Kazakhstan. (laughs) Yeah, Kazakhstan. See some blank stairs. I'm like, what the heck is Kazakhstan? Um, 
Well, let me tell you, Kazakhstan is the seventh largest country in the world. It is the largest landlocked country in the world. It is just south of Russia, just uh, west of Mongolia, northwest of China. Uh, Uzbekistan is just to the south, and just to the south of Uzbekistan is Afghanistan. So I've got a like whole other big country that kind of separates me between like the violence and stuff. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's, it's a little chilly there, but you know, for a guy who grew up in Florida and lives in LA, I'm, I'm sure I can figure it out. I'll be okay. <laughs> but I mean, I just had my first interview with them the other day, and it went really well. And I think they'll ask me for another interview, and it'll be pretty quick whether or not they want me to go and teach in. Kazakhstan um, and sometimes I'm like dude wait you really you're going to go to Kazakhstan I'm like yeah I mean and here's the funny thing about that um, before I would not have even I would have read that email and laughed I'm like who's going to go to Kazakhstan this is stupid I don't have time for that um or I'd have been like, I'd have thought about it, and I'd be like, you know what? They probably don't have no black people in Kazakhstan. What are they gonna like, they're going to be like, who's the black guy in Kazakhstan? Like, what's that about? I'm like, huh? Um, or I would have been so resentful at the fact that, like, I'm still looking for a job with all of my years of experience and degrees and blah, 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 that I wouldn't even seen this as, hey, nobody's really sending me emails about jobs, you know? Like, that doesn't happen. Um, hey, this could be a really great opportunity because I'm single, I don't have any kids, I love traveling, and I love, you know, learning um, new cultures, and with this, I'd have to actually learn another language, Russian, um, and Kazakh, if I choose. Uh, <laughs> and that's another thing, I'm like, I was like, that's another, that's a marketable skill, you know? Russian, picking up another language. Yeah, how about that? So, I mean, seeing the positive things in that has been one of the biggest, because as my friends who have known me for 25 years will tell you, my nickname is Bitter Bob. Yes, yes. They're like, who is it going to be today? Is it going to be Justin or is it going to be Bitter Bob? Come on, tell us. And I'm so happy that that you all, my friends here in L.A., like, y'all don't know, you don't really know Bitter Bob. There's some times where you see dances of Bitter Bob. But you don't really know Bitter Bob, like the people in my past know Bitter Bob. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's about five more minutes left, and I'll just open it up for questions. I'm sure I missed something. But thank you so very much for letting me share. What I do daily for my spiritual program, I, um, you know, like I mentioned, I do a daily 10th step, um, and I do the AEIOUs. So A for my abstinence, what am I eating that day so I commit my food. That's huge because for me, when I was in the food, I wanted my food to be a big surprise. I wanted it to be a party. I didn't want to know what I was going to eat until I was staring at the drive-thru window. Yeah. Um, e, exercise. I, what did I do for my program? Um, e, I, O, what did I do for others? U, kind of breaks down the subcategory. R, F, R, U, resentments against others, fears, resentments against myself. And what did I, what did I unclutter? I, I use that U as unclutter. Some people do uncover. I do unclutter because I'm a procrastinator, and I leave things, yeah, um, yeah. So that's like, what do I need to get done today that I've been putting off? And then something great that happened, and what am I grateful for? Uh, and then I, 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 I definitely pray every day, most every day. I try to meditate every day. I don't meditate every day, but I try to meditate every day. And I found in the trying to meditate every day, that helps even if I don't. Even if I just sit there for like five seconds and I'm like, ah, this isn't working. And I go. But at least I've stopped. Because the days I don't even try, I know that I was in trouble before my eyes even opened that day. And, and those days are really bad. Yeah.
Um, my food plan, basically, my we used a commercial food program, um, and we went to their little meetings, and it was really cool because we just used it as a tool, and it was a great way to be of service. Um, my sponsor was really great about it because I would go with my sponsor, and they had no idea that he was my sponsor, but we were being of service because we'd be like, you know what helps me? Like, I call that guy every day and tell him what I'm going to eat. And, like, the women in the room, oh, my God, that's so good. We'll do it. And the leader knew we were in program, so, you know, whatever. Um, my food plan, you know, I used their point system and all that kind of stuff, and um, it really helped me change, make better choices. And, you know, now, today, it's interesting because my, my – the thing that helped me lose a lot of the weight, one of the things was, you know, eating a lot of, a lot of food – not all at once, but a lot throughout the day, you know, like several meals. Like, I was eating, like, five meals a day. Um, now, I'm, most days, I'm kind of at three meals, four meals. I still eat several meals a day, but it's, like, a lot of days I have three. Some days I'll have four. Some days I'll be back to five. Um, but, like, my bottom line abstinence is no um, sugar and white flour. So, but there's a lot of leeway in there. But, you know, as, as, as Atusa mentioned, you know, taking her candle, um, I know the things that are abstinent but might not work for me at that time. Um, great example would be my mom <clears throat> My mom got married a couple of years ago and had her wedding reception and asked me to give the toast, and they had this, like, delicious five-cheese potato casserole thing on the buffet, and I was like, Because um, that's my thing, like, meaty, cheesy, greasy, ha. Ah. Um, and, you know, I felt like, you know, everybody was, had forgotten about my dad, and I was feeling really sad, and I knew that if I'd eaten that thing, as absent as it was, I would have been crazy, you know? So I didn't eat the thing, and I made the toast, and I have no idea what I said, and my family's still talking about it two years later. So it's like that kind of stuff. I see how even absent things, when I'm not spiritually fit, like that's the key, spiritual fitness. Um, I can tell when I'm spiritually fit when I'm, <laughs> when I'm having a meal with a friend at like a restaurant or something, and... Like, they might ask to taste something off. Like, oh, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> and I'm not seriously fit. You want to do what now? <laughs> mm, I don't know if I like you that much. So, I mean, yeah. Mm, oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, my higher <laughs> So, I'm, I'm dealing with... That's such a good question. My higher power continues to change because it's really I read something the other day about faith belief has very little to do with faith and that is so true um, because what I've learned in these three years like with getting the job and all that looking for the job um, is you know the faith is in the footwork you know I mean the faith is in the footwork um, you know doing I have no idea I I get Oh, man. Okay. i got two minutes to try to figure out how to say this. Um, I have always wanted to live in Los Angeles since I was seven or eight years old. Something drew me to the city. I felt like I was meant to be here. I'm now kind of feeling like after having been in this program and having a relationship with my higher power, that it had to have been that. That it had to have been, I had to come here to find that relationship with my higher power and to find this life. Um, and a lot of times, most times, and this is, this is my disease, I can't really see that the life that I'm living, I'm quite literally living my dreams. Literally. 
yes, I don't have the things that I want, but what I've learned is that a lot of the times the things that I want aren't what I need. And so I'm, I'm my higher power, I'm learning to see my higher power as someone who's giving me what I need. Because quite honestly, my higher power really does give me more than I need. There's been several times where, and you guys know this, several times these last three years, right? Honestly, God thought, okay, yeah, i got to move back because I have no money and I, I can't do it. And somehow, thank you, somehow I've been able to stay here in one of the most expensive cities in America <laughs> with like no job, and I'm still here. Somehow. I don't know. I'm God, you know... Is it Kazakhstan? Is it South Africa? I could be here three months. I don't know. That's what I know. Is that I don't know. So thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>